0: You are listening to the Yummy Mummy Podcast, episode number 134.
1: Welcome to the Yummy Mummy Podcast, where you will learn
0: brand new and shockingly different tools to lose weight for the last time. And now, here's your host, certified life and weight loss coach, Laura Conley. Yay, you guys. This is a very special episode. We have a conscious parenting coach here with us, Crystal Heitzma. I think that's how you say your last name. We did. Yep. Welcome, Crystal. Why don't you give us the intro? Tell us who you are, what you do, where you live. Just tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into conscious parenting and coaching other parents.
1: Yeah, I would love to. I am a homeschooling mom of four. My kids range from seven to sixteen and through homeschooling i spent a lot of time with my children and so i had to like really figure out relationship mm-hmm. and my background is in psychology i did my degree in psychology and i always wanted to do something in the mental health space mm-hmm. I was actually looking for my master's program when somebody invited me to an evening that a life coach was putting on, on relationships. And I was like, what is this magicalness? Like, I've never even heard of, I didn't, I thought a life coach was someone that like called people and like helped them get out of bed and like apply for jobs and like (laughs) go to university and stuff. And I was like, wait, what? Like, that's not anyways, life coaching is so much more similar to therapy than I thought And it's way more what I already had in mind. I already had Uh, in mind working with people that are like doing okay, but like wanting to strengthen their specifically their family relationships. So Mm. it already was like what I wanted to do when I found it. But that's not, that's like the more like on paper story. The actual story is that I was really terrible at parenting. (laughs) I was like, (laughs) thought it was going to come really naturally. I had like loads of siblings, like I have seven siblings Mm. and I've been babysitting since like, I probably started babysitting when I was like nine. And for other people, like around 11, and like, I could handle like huge amounts of children, like get them all to bed, like clean the house. Like I was solid. I was like the best babysitter. Everybody wanted me. So I'm like, oh, well, it'll be easy. Like, I kind of also thought like, why do my parents have such a hard time with this? Like, I kind of thought
0: that I could (laughs) do a lot better of a job anyways, fast forward. No wonder you're on my podcast. You're like my twin (laughs) twin flame. I was a psychology degree. I was a psychology major too. And I was like, what am I going to do with this? I'm like, oh, life coaching. And I was totally like, I was like, The day I turned 11, I was babysitting for the entire neighborhood because, for whatever reason, that's the age that you're allowed.
1: Apparently, you're allowed to do it, not like 10 and a half. Yeah. I was secretly doing it before 11, though, but just only for my mom's friends. And I was really good. Like, I was so good at it. And so I was like, oh, of course, this will be easy. Fast forward, I got pregnant pretty young. I was married really young to my high school sweetheart. I was like 20, I think, when I got married. And I'm pretty sure I was like 21 when I had my first. I was halfway through school. We'd been married for like two weeks. I cried like every day, and because I was like, "This is not how life was (laughs) supposed to turn (laughs) out." Anyways, and parenting was hard. I had a colicky baby. Mm -hmm. I was in school full time. My husband was in school full time, and so we were both just like managing, like who takes the newborn while the other person has a final exam. And because I was like, I am finishing this degree. Like I am not just gonna stop. And Mm so I did finish it, and I was pregnant with my second at my convocation, I was like almost passing out. Cause I was like big and pregnant and sick and whatever mm-hmm. with holding my toddler, oh, my, my giant gown, but I finished it and stayed home and parenting was hard. My, oh, my toddler God. was hard. He was loud. He was busy. He was like the kid who would like be at the playground, punching other kids.
0: But I'm not familiar with this at all. <laughs> Crystal. I have <laughs> no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> it's the hardest space to be in
1: when you're like, so your kid is like, quote unquote, the bully. Like people don't talk about that. They talk about like the kids that are like I need mean, to stick up for themselves more. Like love, anyways. Oh, but, I honestly
0: um, like I had that. I remember being grateful that my daughter was the one that was getting beat up at preschool and not the one that was beating them up. <laughs> and then, fe- and then my Phoenix, my second baby, came along and he was the one. And I'm like, Yep, I was right. It's yep. way harder when you have. I mean, oh, I don't oh, want to oh. judge and say what's harder. There, it's all freaking hard. But it, it, it's is—it's brutal when your kid is the one that yeah. hasn't figured out how to use It is so his, tough his and body. it brings up
1: so much for you inside, mm-hmm. internally. And so then like fast forward even more, my kids were, a couple of my kids are neurodiverse. And so that like threw in a bunch more struggles at the time. I didn't really know. I just knew they were super hard, like more than what was typical hard. And in this time, simultaneously, like, so my parents did not parent in the way that I parent. They had given me a parenting book and said, like, we didn't parent you right. Like you should read this book and like this is the way you should parent. And this was like wow. a long time ago before like what I'm talking about now is popular. Like this was like when my kids were like toddlers and my oh. oldest is like almost 17. So What was um, the book?
0: Bu- what was the book? Do you remember?
1: Yeah, it was called Hold On to Your Kids by Dr. Gordon Newfeld. It's oh. attachment parenting. Okay. Yeah. And they started going to his courses. They started learning more about it. They were still parenting. Remember I said oh, I had seven okay. children so or seven, seven siblings. I do not have seven children. <laughs> so we had, there was like a 20 year spread. So I was married, yeah. had my kids babysitting my mom's kids for her when she was overwhelmed. Like this is how, <laughs> the, and they were like close to the, like my little brothers are much closer in age to my son
0: yes, than they are than to you.
1: me. Okay. Anyways. So, so they're still parenting, like figuring out their stuff. And I'm like. Yeah, you're right. Like, you did a bad job, you guys. (laughs) 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 But it was nice to see how they started to change and how things started to shift with my little brothers and like the different relationship that they were having and stuff. And so I'm like reading about these books and I'm like, yeah, this is so great and I love it. So he was kind of my first introduction to it. Then I got into like Dr. Deborah McNamara's Rest, Play, Grow, Dan Siegel, Tina Payne Bryson, Chevalier Sabari, like, Everything to do with conscious, gentle, attachment-based parenting, which I call connection-based parenting now, Mm. but they're all kind of the same thing. It's really like more about like me and what's happening inside of me Mm. and how can I parent in a more connection-based way and focus less on modifying my kids' behaviors. Mm. So I was sold from like that book. I was like, yes, this is the way. But then I had this like super high pedestal for myself now of parenting to like then just feel more shame. Because I don't think I like, I think I probably felt like bad about yelling before, but I didn't think it was like emotionally damaging. And I was like, great. Now I'm emotionally damaging them and I don't know how to stop. Yeah. So then I kind of went down this rabbit hole of like, I'll just figure out how to stop myself from yelling. Mm. And I remember me and my sister-in-law, our kids are like tiny. We're taking this course together and we're like practicing these things. We literally put elastic bands on our wrist and you would flick your wrist every time you yelled to like... Oh. Tweak yeah. your brain out of yelling, or you'd stick your head in a freezer, so that you'd like just like snap your brain out of it. Like it was very like behavior based. Wait, did like, that would... work? No, not at all.
0: Oh, oh, I was like, I was like, whoa, maybe like we got. That's what?
1: No, no, <laughs> right? It's just like weight loss being like, I'll just try another diet. Yeah, like, I'll yeah. just like you know do this like juice cleanse, right? Like that actually does not work long term yes, at all.
0: Yes, yes. So okay, so I'm the trying little, like... in the freezer did not work. Okay, no
1: doesn't work. If somebody tells you that works, it doesn't. So I'm trying all these little things and I'm like, none of this is working like at all. Like nothing is changing. And then I kind of hit rock bottom. We'd moved away to the other side of Canada. We're living on our own, have no family in an area that's not English speaking and didn't have any support system at all. My husband's going to school. So he's like busy all the time. And at that time, one of our kids, this neurodiverse was really struggling. So I was really struggling and I kind of got to this point where I was like, like something major has to shift. Like it was one of those, like, mm-hmm. like you talk about, like, you're kind of like one moment that like changed everything. My one moment was like, like this has to change. Like I literally cannot live in this house like this anymore. Mm-hmm. Like either he's going to leave, I'm going to leave or like something, something has got to gotta give. Yeah. But I knew that I really loved that parenting approach. So I found a therapist that was certified from the Neufeld Institute. And I was over in the other side of Canada, which is in, in Montreal, And I found somebody there and I started getting a little bit more support and help. But what really shifted wasn't like the books or the training. What really started to shift was like my own self, like my own mind around like, what energy am I bringing in? And like, what is my role in this? And what is my connection like with him? And I started to make these little shifts, which over time made bigger shifts. And after about a year, I started to notice that like his meltdowns were less severe and he was doing a lot better and I was doing a lot better. And like, I hadn't changed anything with him. I hadn't Mm -hmm. like made him flick his wrist with an elastic band or anything, (laughs) but like things were changing and growing and fast forward, found life coaching, found all these amazing tools and learned how to use them to support myself to further my parenting. So I didn't used to coach on parenting. I was just Mm -hmm. like, I will coach on motherhood, but Mm -hmm. I, I think I still had a really tender spot of like, I haven't actually figured out this parenting thing yet. (laughs) So I didn't really feel like I could. And so I kept still having this, my own kind of transformation, I guess, and got to the point where like, I don't yell at all. Mm. And not because I was even working on my yelling or like trying not to yell. Like it wasn't like, I'm going to white knuckle myself to not yell. It just didn't happen anymore. It just Mm. doesn't come anymore. Mm. And that's when I was like, parenting is my thing like this is what I need to help parents with. Like I need to help them make conscious parenting, connected parenting, whatever you want to call it. Like I want it to be simple and I want it to be Mm -hmm. doable because it is the only way that we can have our children like turn out in the way we want. Right. We want them to be like emotionally intelligent and resilient. And like, Mm -hmm. we want them to want to be around us and to have a good relationship with us and to confide in us. Mm. It only comes from changing into this new modality of parenting. And I do feel like it's beginning like it's gaining kind of more popularity more people are like yeah I don't want to do it like my parents did but like mm. now what yeah. like that k- kind of ends there and sometimes we can swing all the way over to permissiveness because we're like don't want to be like my parents and we kind of overcompensate
0: yeah I um, see that too I see that with so, my, I see all I see it all like with myself right yeah like you know yeah it's, yeah oh. so this is
1: what I do now this is why I this is like my journey. This is literally my purpose in life is to help people figure out what I was able to figure out. And I work with dads, couples, moms, and do retreats, one-on-one group coaching, all the things. I just love it. And I love like, even like on my podcast, people will send me messages and say that they changed their relationship with their kids. And we're like, this is crazy. And I'm like, it is wow. crazy. It's like almost like all of the books were missing the part of me. All of the books were like, here's mm-hmm. what to do with your child. Here's what to say. Here's how to look in their eyes. Here's how to spend more time with them. Well, if I'm spending more time with them each day, but internally super frustrated at them, I'm actually damaging more yeah. than I'm connecting, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And I just felt like that's what was missing for me. So now I don't encourage people to read parenting books. I'm like, no, don't do that. Just spend yep. your time inside with you, with your own healing and and your own intuition,
0: yeah, because then you read all those books and it's just like dieting, right? You read My clients yes. have read every goddamn keto, Weight Watchers, freaking yep. Atkins, freaking Tracy Anderson, freaking Goop book on like what to eat yep. and like they don't weigh what they want to weigh because it's not hmm. about that. It's about because they're missing fruit, like the fruit. most
1: integral part. And I feel like the advice that they were giving in the parenting books was so good, but I feel like it was coming from their own healing journey. Like they were telling us the end. They were like, and then this is what you do. But we were like, okay, but like, how did you get there?
0: Yeah. Well, and that's so good too, because if we read all these books and then we keep reading these books and we've got all these examples of these people that are doing and having what we want so badly, then we just feel more like a failure to your point at the beginning. Like, Mm -hmm. okay, yeah, like I don't want to yell, but I'm still yelling. Like the flicking of the wrist. And then I
1: feel even worse, right? Then I'm at the end of the day. Yeah. Which like on your podcast, you probably talk a lot about emotional eating, right? A lot of my people will stay up late. They'll watch Netflix, they'll eat junk food. That was totally my ML, like every night because I was mm-hmm. so stressed out, so burnt out. So not taking care of myself in the ways that I needed to in yeah. my parenting and in my own self. Well, that's and, why I wanted um, you,
0: to like have you on the pod. Well, I wanted to have you on the podcast for like eight different reasons. But that was one of the main reasons that I wanted mm-hmm. to have you on the podcast is to discuss with us some strategies or some thoughts or hacks or whatever you want to call them for the mamas that are out there doing that, which is so normal, right? Like we've Mm -hmm. all been there, but you have the most stressful day, your days filled with chaos and running around. And it's all about them, like all about your kids or Mm -hmm. all about your partner, all about your work. And then it's like, Finally, at the end of the day, everybody's asleep and you get to Netflix and chill with Mm -hmm. whatever your kryptonite is. I don't know, ice cream or chips or whatever. But it's not actually a reward because then you're then you wake up the next day with like the shame and the guilt because it's not and like physiologically
1: like, feeling terrible. That's right? exactly like, what I
0: mean. Like the shame and the guilt, yes, on the emotion side, but physiologically, just also feeling like crap because you just put yeah. crap in your body. Again, nobody's wrong or bad for doing this. Our society teaches us that hey, you deserve a reward. You had a hard yeah. day, like. Yeah, like let's get some comfort. Let's have a treat. Like you you earned it. You deserve it. Like and if that worked, and for some of us it actually might work, probably not if you're listening to this podcast, but for most of us that doesn't actually work in the end because that we're left with a bunch of byproducts that we don't want. So, can you just speak to how do we get in front of that? Um yeah, yeah. still have your Netflix and your sexy tea. I talk about sexy tea all the time like I love to have my Netflix and my sexy tea at the end of the night, but it serves me. I watch one episode, I have my bedtime, I drink my sexy tea, and then I go to bed and it serves me. I actually wake up feeling really rested and restored from that routine, Mm -hmm. but it can become a slippery slope where we're eating a bag of chips and polishing it off with like a pint of ice cream and then we're up till 2 a.m. because we keep watching. So how do we get in front of it? Okay, so first of all, I'm going to say don't stop doing it yet which
1: sounds crazy, but I yeah. would say like literally do not stop yet because it is a result. It is a byproduct of something else going on. So first right. of all, don't try to be like, okay, I'm going to stop eating the whole sleeve of Oreos. Just be like, I'm going to eat the whole sleeve of Oreos tonight. And like, that's what's going to happen. Okay? okay. It's okay. It's cool. Yeah. But while you're doing it, what I want you to do is ask yourself some questions. So like, what emotion am I trying to eat right now would be one? Like, what am I trying mm-hmm. to get? Am I trying to get like relief, relaxation, calm, peace? Like, what am I trying to get? And like, what is my need actually? Like, what's Mm -hmm. really happening underneath the surface? And all that you're going to do is just gain more awareness while you're still eating the same thing. Mm -hmm. You're not going to beat yourself up. You're not going to feel shame or guilt. It's just like, okay, I wonder. It's
0: the plan. This is like actually the plan that we're doing. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Like, I wonder what's actually happening here, right? Mm -hmm. Then we can dig into more of the work. But the work isn't stopping emotional eating. The work is uncovering, like, why is my life so overwhelming? Why does parenting feel so hard? What feels so stressful for me? And then digging down to, like, that's actually what's going to be supportive, right? Because the emotional eating will slide off once you can figure out, like, what's happening.
0: Yeah. Like, right now, the emotional eating is a byproduct of the, quote, unquote, stressful day. Mm -hmm. And if our days just most of the time aren't that stressful just mm-hmm. naturally organically won't eat the sleeve of Oreos.
1: Yeah. I was talking ahead um, of the time. Yeah. Go somebody
0: ahead. asked me about self-care in a podcast
1: this morning. And I was just like, as I was saying it, it hit me like how true this really is. But like my entire life is self-care. Like the way that I live my life, the fluidity of my life is self-care. I don't have to like take time for self-care because it, I'm like in this totally depleted way and I need to like lift it up. And then I like deplete and then I like lift it up again like it is me and I am it. Mm-hmm. And it comes from my so relationship good. with myself, how I treat myself in, in less in my body and more in my brain. Mm-hmm. Like, how do I speak about myself? How do I feel about myself? And our relationship with ourself is the one relationship we bring into all of the other relationships. So mm-hmm. like, as we change that, everything else changes. Yeah. And what I've noticed is that conscious parenting comes naturally as we do this healing work. Like you don't even have to read the books. You literally don't even have to. And I used to think I need one of these parenting experts to come live in my house. Like they'll see why it's so hard for me. And then they'll tell me what to do.
0: This is what all my clients say before they become my clients. Can you just be in my pocket? I just want to carry. I'm like, I can't bat the cupcake out of your mouth at 9 p.m. Like you're going to have to learn on your own. Well, and
1: there's no learning in that either, right? I had somebody yesterday like text her husband and be like, we've been talking to Crystal a lot. I really think we need to make some parenting changes. And he was like, good. Can she go? Can like our kid go live with her? Like maybe she can do it. (laughs) And I remember feeling that same way. I was like, there's no way I can do this. It's because we're going about it in the wrong way. We're like looking for like, how can I modify my kids behavior? How can I change things for them? And really it's always like going internal. And so the internal work that I do now with people, when I say relationship with self, means like our self concept was developed in the years of zero to seven. Mm. So how I perceive myself came from how I was parented, how people responded to me, things that people said or did or that I saw the energy that I kind of like was sinking into myself, even if they didn't say or do certain things. And I carry that with me now. And so parenting seems hard or seems difficult because I'm carrying a lot of weight that was passed down to me and not just in habits, but also in like subconscious beliefs that like my parents might not have even overtly said that I'm still, that I might not even know that I still have. Mm -hmm. And it's untackling that like subconscious weight that when it's lifted, it doesn't feel so hard to do. Mm. It gives us access to what I call intuition. People call it lots of different things, gut instinct or spirit or whatever. But like our own inner wisdom is something that we have intensely as parents, but we're just tapped out of it because we're so used to like Mm -hmm. experts telling us what to do, Mm -hmm. right? There's like, is there a study for that? Can you send me research? Like, do we know that works? Well, you know what the research says? The research says that like, Give your kids time out because they'll listen and like use rewards and use punishments and use all these things because, like, that works. Because all they're looking for is like, does it work in the moment?
0: Yeah, exactly. That's a green, that's the green juice cleanse of parenting.
1: Yeah. But like long term, does that really work? Yeah. No, no. Well, like, depends what you want, I guess. But like, for me, I'm like, I want a long term relationship with my kids. I want them to feel safe to come to me with anything, no matter what. I want to build emotional resilience. I want them to have emotional intelligence, empathy personal responsibility like those are the things i really want to teach more than i want my kid to clean up their room in this moment yeah
0: yeah yeah Yeah. okay so i talk a lot about inside the Um -um yummy experience compelling reasons right like if you want to lose weight for the last time you have to have a very strong why so i'm curious what your whys were were could you share some mm-hmm. whys that maybe we want to adopt for mm-hmm. not yelling or for conscious parenting or connection parenting? Because yeah. I'm actually starting to call it like ravenous reasons because that sounds a little bit more fun. It is on, ravenous on, reasons. On, on, on brand. But yeah, I'm like, I actually talked to my parent coach slash child psychologist, and I'm like, I need more reasons. I need to feel more compelled to not yell at my children because. And I'm working on this. I'm like a work in progress. Mm-hmm. But I I would like to not yell at my children. I actually identify – I've talked about this on the podcast. I talk about this with my clients all the time. I identify as a parent who does practice conscious parenting and does not yell. Like I do not yell. That is my self-concept. And yet sometimes I still do yell. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed in the past – and just thinking about having you on the podcast too. I'm like, oh, this would be a fun question. I actually would like some more compelling reasons as to why yelling at our children is not okay and like why I shouldn't yell at them because you talked about it. You touched on it. This can be like really emotionally damaging for them. And I've seen some of the research. I mean, I I do know some of the compelling reasons, but I want you to share with me and our audience because I think when we have a compelling reason, it just makes the work work. Or the practice that much easier so tell us a little bit about because i've seen some of the data too about this um being emotionally damaging for our children if yeah yell at them so if you could just speak to that i would love to hear. hey you.
1: i will definitely give you compelling reasons and i think that you'll love them but then i'm going to give you the real answer to the real question that is not said it okay, will be great. even better than compelling <laughs> reasons i think but the compelling reasons for me are do i want a long-term relationship with my child So for me as a teenager, I kind of just went to the mode of like, well, I'm just going to keep living my life the way that I'm living it. Whether or not you even know about it, like I'm just going to go do my own thing because I felt so controlled with the authoritarian household that I lived in that I wanted to do everything the opposite of whatever it was that my parents wanted. And I would even like, they wouldn't even have to say it. I would just know like, oh, they won't want this. So I'll do the opposite Mm. because I was so oppositional because I just didn't feel that connection or that attachment with them. Mm -hmm. And I still see this happening. Like our kids are actually more prone to what's called peer oriented attachment than adult Mm -hmm. child oriented attachment, because they spend a lot of time with their peers because of the way that our world just works. It's more likely that your child will be peer oriented, which means if they have a detachment that's that way, they're going to be looking at how they should behave. They're going to be looking for advice. Mm -hmm. They are going to want closeness and proximity to their peers more than they are to their parents. And so for me, my compelling reason is like, I want them to have a secure attachment with me because I want to be able to teach them these valuable skills that they're going to learn from me. So one is emotional regulation, right? I want don't want my kid to be 20 and still be punching somebody in the face when they're mad. Or if you ever saw that like reels going around where that like adult man was just screaming his head off in the where was he in an airplane? Because there was a baby that was screaming and he was like, get that baby to calm down. And why doesn't that baby know any better? And it was just so interesting. Cause I'm like, oh. he's literally modeling. Like, this is what happens when you, you don't have a conscious parent as a child because they don't have emotional regulation skills. So it's something that needs to be taught and it's taught through our being. It's not taught through like, let me tell, teach you how to box breathe. It's not taught through like, let me work through this with you verbally. It's actually through our energy. That It's called co-regulation. Emotional self-regulation is taught through co-regulation. And I don't want my kids punching each other as adults. So yes, like that's a compelling reason for me. I want them to have emotional intelligence because that's the greatest indicator of future success. I want them to be emotionally resilient because I know that difficult things are going to happen for them. And I want them to know how to move through those in a healthy way. So those are all a bunch of compelling reasons. But the real reason for me is that it's not about them. It's for me. It's not about them at all. And it's not about the yelling. We yell again as a byproduct just like we overeat as a byproduct because mm-hmm. something more is happening deep down. And what that is is called a trigger. So triggers when we're feeling emotional activation. Mm-hmm. So when I'm feeling emotionally activated I'm going to yell. Yeah. There's other reasons for yelling like I could just be tired, I could just be hungry, like that's cool too. But like a trigger t- for me it feels different. I feel it in my body, it feels intense. Yeah. Triggers are there to help us learn and to grow and to expand. And so the byproduct is yelling, and the triggers are the reason for it. So instead of trying to stop yelling, it's like, wait yeah, a second, what's, what's actually happening? Right. And then over time, you feel less triggered, you feel less intensely triggered, less frequently triggered. And it's almost like the volume just turns down. Oh
0: my God. It's like emotional eating, like to a T, right? It's like the urges. I talk about having urges to eat food when you're not hungry. You described it perfectly, right? You have an urge or or a trigger. Yeah. Yeah. And
1: I don't not yell now because I'm like, I don't even think about it. I literally don't even think about yelling. It's it's not in my
0: life. It's like sugar for me. I just don't eat sugar. I don't have to think about it. I don't have to talk myself off the sugar ledge. The volume is the perfect example in visual. It's like mm-hmm. the volume is at a one where it used to be at like a 69, right? Yes. So it's like, yeah, like there's a cookie there, but it just doesn't have a hold on me. It doesn't trade. There's no trigger.
1: Yeah. It's like just not there for me anymore. Mm. And it took like work to get here, but like, it's so much less about our kids and so much more about us. Mm-hmm. So if we have a secure attachment and we know that like, okay, we're teaching through role modeling the behavior, then like what behavior are we modeling? Well, like when we're yelling, we're modeling dysregulation and like, we're basically teaching them what we don't want to be teaching them. <laughs> so, and this happens over and over again. We're like constantly teaching them like, don't yell at your sister as you're like, they're yelling at their sister and you're yelling you're back like, at them. Yeah. So, so ironic. Um, And I want to say that I know all this from personal experience. (laughs) This isn't because I was like, just naturally so calm. I was like the opposite. I'm a highly impatient person. When I got married, I realized like, wait a second, this is actually a lot harder than I thought it was. And I'm also super impatient. And I didn't know that about myself. Mm. So now my idea of impatience is really different. It's actually like, oh, I'm just super triggered by everything around me because I did not have the type of Mm. home that bred things like emotional regulation and like safety and emotional security and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So triggers is actually where the work is. Like anytime I want something to change in my kids, I'm like, okay, wait a second. Like, let's look back inside. Yeah. So for me, a trigger or emotional activation isn't just like, okay, my kid's not listening. It's like asking myself, like, what about that is bothering me? Yeah. And then I'm like, oh, it's because they should listen. And then I'm like, well, what about that is bothering me? Okay. Well, Good parents have kids that listen to them. And I'm like, oh, what about that is bothering me? Well, I was told this paradigm that like good parents have good kids and they listen and they obey immediately. And that means there's no like questioning, like it just happens. Yep. And I consciously don't even believe that at all anymore. But I found that in my subconscious still, that I still had this belief about what parent child relationships should look like. And I still had this belief that because I was not there, that I was not enough, that I wasn't, it, like, I always boiled down to, I'm not a good mom. Not on the surface, I didn't even know that I thought that. In fact, I thought I was a pretty good mom in general. Yeah. But like deep down, I was like, oh, okay. So the trigger is always going to be rooted in a subconscious belief that I've held from childhood that was probably developed in like the zero to seven years yeah. that I've kind of just passed through, right? Mm-hmm. So once we uncover like, oh, that's what it is, the uncovering part of it is really healing. Mm-hmm. But I've also found that triggers are more of like a body thing. And so you need to get into your body in order to heal it. And that's where things like hypnotherapy, breath work, guided meditation, emotional processing, like that's the tools that I use to help clients and myself move through that belief so that it's not a trigger anymore. Mm -hmm. And then something else will trigger us. And we do the same thing. We do the same thing. And sometimes all it takes is uncovering it to be like, whoa, like I do not believe that anymore. And sometimes it feels a little bit more stuck. Yeah. And so, and another helpful tool that I teach people is like emotional self-regulation. So like what are things that help me to calm down and how can I practice that and how can I know how I'm feeling during the day and help bring myself back down to calm and also tone my vagus nerve, which mm. is a huge part of mm-hmm. nervous system regulation.
0: Yeah.
1: Um so there's a few different things, but really like there's not a lot. Like there's yep. maybe like five things that we can kind of work through and there's lots of different healing modalities. But whatever healing modality that you're going for needs to be trigger healing in some way. So it can mm-hmm. be therapy, it can be coaching, hypnotherapy, breath work, meditation, but it specifically needs to be around like, what do I believe about myself? What do I yeah. believe about my
0: relationship with my kids? Like, what is triggering me and why? Yeah. It has to and, be actual root work. It can't just be this band aid or yeah. surface level. Yeah. Yeah. So we can have the like
1: compelling reasons too. But I think it's more compelling to be like, the reason's actually me.
0: Like, I want to figure out what my triggers are and why. I want to yes, figure out. Yes, but I need the compelling reason to to figure out my triggers. Yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? So like, it's very compelling to me to have a long-term relationship with my kiddos and yes. for them to be 28. And I'm, I don't even want to do the math. Some other age. Yush. And we're like going on vacation together, right? Yeah. That's very compelling to me. Me too. I really want that. And so because I want that, and now we've highlighted that and identified it, I'm willing to do the work on my triggers. Whereas before, if that wasn't on the line, and I'm like, yeah, whatever, I'm friends with my parents, my kids are going to be friends with me. Even if I yell, and that could be possible too, right? Maybe, I don't know. But like, I want to stack the deck. So if I have a compelling reason of like, I really want them to be emotionally resilient and emotionally intelligent and have this long-term relationship. I really want those compelling reasons for me and for them. Then I'm willing to actually do that work on my triggers which I'm a pretty willing person, but for the audience, some of us don't we don't want to do that work. That's not fun. like that's hard. Yeah. like that's scary, that's a vulnerable. So I think it's such a great conversation because I think we kind of need both. and yeah, I think I'm- what you're saying the compel there's another compelling reason there of like want it for yourself too. like mm-hmm. want it for your own healing. But sometimes we don't care about that. We don't want our own healing because it's scary or we just don't care or it doesn't feel like we could fit that in. So it's like I feel like there's some advice out there where people are like, You can't do it for your kids. You gotta do it for you. And I'm like, who cares who you're doing it for? If you're doing just healing, I don't care if it's for you or for your kids. And for me, I like having compelling reasons for both, like for me and for my kids and for our relationship. So just you sharing those compelling reasons of why I might not want to yell. Okay, so if I yell less, the likelihood, or if I stop yelling completely at a root level, the likelihood of me having this long-term relationship is much higher. I'm like kind of on board, right?
1: Yeah, and I want to say too, like, Cause I'm like, yeah, I was friends with my parents too, but not in the same way mm-hmm. because I was like still holding part of myself back. Like there wasn't like, mm-hmm. it's not like I would call them and talk about like my deepest worries or whatever. Like I didn't. So I would Surface. also consider like, what kind of attachment do you have to your parents? Is it very avoidant? Is it like over, like overly codependent? Like, just like, we're not really getting into that a ton, but I just want you to think about mm-hmm. what kind of relationship do I have with my parents and what kind of relationship do I want to have with my kids? And I was like, you, like, I wouldn't have done this work for me. Like five years ago when this started, I really did this work for my child. I did it for him because I could see how extreme his behavior was, how extreme his highs and his lows were. And his mental health was like terrible. Mm -hmm. And I was like, if we don't change something, like this is going to, I just knew, I knew what the future of that would be like. One of my sons has autism. I have a brother with high functioning autism also. And so I know what adult looks like Mm. when things don't change because that didn't, he didn't have that. And so for me, that was my compelling reason also was like, I want something different for them. Like it's, I didn't know at that time that it had more to do with me than it had to do with them, but I really did want something different because I wanted them to be raised in a home that felt physically and emotionally safe and secure for them. Mm. And so that I could have this like long-term relationship with my adult children forever. Like they're going to be adult children for way longer than they're like kid children. And we're like so so worried about the kid children stuff, but like we're going to be around for a long time with them as adult children. And I've seen parent child relationships as adults, not be great where the kids really don't want to come home. They really don't care a lot about their parents. They're not like, or overly codependent where they're like calling their parents all the time, only asking them for advice. Like, Mm. Anyway, so I just think there's a lot of reasons that you can do it for. And I think that whatever avenue gets you into doing the work is yeah. perfect. It was exactly the avenue that you needed to get in there.
0: Well, and you'll try, find more. You'll find more compelling reasons yeah. as you go too, I think, right? Like way more.
1: I didn't know any of this before. Yeah. And I think as you do this work too, just like know that it's like it's not hard as in like it's gonna take like hours every day. Like it's not mm. that hard. It's like emotional heaviness. Mm -hmm. It's more the emotional heaviness of like, I'm going to be feeling some feelings that are pretty tough. I'm going to be like uncovering some thoughts that are pretty hard. I might be thinking about like ways that people treated me when I was younger that were pretty tough. And like, that is hard. But it's not like you're going to have to go to the gym for two hours every day. Like that is hard.
0: Well, yeah. and It's so (laughs) worth it too, because there's a reward. Like you get to feel better in your body more of the time and then your kids benefit from it. Like it's so awesome. Yeah. What is Crystal? What is emotionally? I'm still back on my compelling reason. What does emotionally damaging mean? Like, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. So I had this one episode. It's one of my favorite ones. And it's called, what does
1: authoritarian parenting look like 20 years later? And I came up with this like acronym of FINE, F-I-N-E, because people are like, I turned out FINE? My parents stank. They sent me to timeout. They yelled at me all the time and I turned out FINE. And I'm like, okay, well, what does FINE look like?
0: So FINE. Yeah. And like, do you want your kids to turn out FINE or do you want them to turn out amazing? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Right? Why is FINE the goal? That's not the goal.
1: So this is what I would say is like, quote unquote, emotionally damaging or whatever would be like what fine looks like. So fine is like the fawn response. So if you are familiar with like fight, flight, freeze, fawn, fawn is like the people pleasing. Like I'm going to make everybody else around me comfortable at the behest of like me. Like I don't feel comfortable. It's not necessarily good or healthy for me, but I'm saying yes anyways. Yeah. Like that literally like what we call people pleasing now came only from the way that our parents parented us and from how we were responded to and the beliefs that we then took from childhood. Mm. So people pleasing slash fond response. That's what fine is. I can't remember what I is, but I know that E was definitely emotionally reactive. So like, if you find that you're emotionally reactive, where like, you want to be more regulated than you are. You're yelling more than you are, or even just like using shame in your tone, even if you're not a yeller, like mm. that comes from this modality of parenting. I'm trying to remember what the other two were. They were so good. But anyways, there's lots of things (laughs) that come from our childhood that we don't even really recognize do like even our ability to feel and process emotion because we weren't taught emotional regulation when we were younger. And we were often taught that emotions weren't okay, right? If you're sent to your room or spanked or yelled at every time you had a big emotion in your tiny little brain, you understood this emotion must be wrong. There must be something wrong with this emotion and wrong with me. And I'm never going to feel this emotion again. And then if I do, like, I'm going to feel bad about myself or I'm going to numb it or I'm going to push it down or whatever. Like that came from how our parents responded to us in our big emotions. Mm. So anyways, there's lots, like just look at Facebook for like one second and you will see that is what it looks like. It looks like people not being able to have differing opinions. Mm. It's like, there's an emotional development that happens between ages of five and seven. And one of the specific things that happens is that you're okay with you and you're okay with somebody else being separate than you and that I can have an opinion and you can have an opinion and that's okay. Mm. Do you see that in the world of adults around us? Like, huh. no. Huh. Huh. That yeah. came because that emotional development that was supposed to happen at that age and time did not happen because we did not have that connection and attachment. So we grew up thinking that every single time someone has a different opinion than us, it's an attack on us mm. personally mm. and we have to like defend ourselves. Mm. We also had this like unenmeshment of like, I am myself and my parents are their self. And we're like two separate beings. We also had this idea of like mixed emotions where I can feel more than one emotions. And like, that's okay. And like, how do I process emotions? Like everything came from childhood.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So if we didn't
1: have that, we didn't always get what we needed. Mm. And so even if you're like, my childhood was pretty good. Like a lot of people feel that way. Inner child healing is the idea of going back to those moments when you weren't always perfectly taken care of, perfectly cared for, perfectly given everything that you needed in that moment. If that didn't happen to you all the time, then you have inner wounds. There's also wonderful things we brought from childhood. It's not just about healing and wounds, but because we're not robots, then you need inner child healing, right? Your parents did not, could not always give you everything that you needed or understand you or connect with you every time.
0: Well, I love that too. It's like, it's not even like our, you're not saying this at all, but it's not even our parents' fault. It's just like, mm-hmm. this is the human condition and their parents parented them in a certain way. And
1: those it's parents, yeah it's,
0: yeah, it's from one to the next. So it's like, it. I don't, you are not saying this. I just want to be super clear. that It's like, I don't think it's like going to serve us if we play the blame game with our parents, mm-hmm. right? Which you're totally not. I mean, obviously, but mm-hmm. I just think that's important too. Like we can do this, inner child work, or we can heal our wounds or whatever, and like love our perfectly imperfect parents. Yeah. And I think it's like
1: twofold. I feel like it's kind of an evolution. Like our parents Mm. gave us what we needed to get to where we are right now, where we actually can change. Like if you read parenting books from the eighties and nineties, they were horrific. They were literally abusive, like what they would tell you to do. And I talked to my mother-in-law about it all the time because she was really big into parenting books and they were just awful. And so, and our like parents- what, Like, what would they
0: say? Like, what would they Okay. Tell? I will
1: give you an example and you will be like, there's no way that sounds too crazy. But one time she said she was reading about how to deal with her kids when they were younger. And one of them said, like, you put them over your knee and you get a wooden spoon and you hit them with a the wooden spoon while you're telling them this is because you did this it's not because i want you to do want to do this to you i have to because of what you did oh. and i love you oh my god yes. so creepy she was parenting in the 80s so this is not like it was like 1910 yeah right it's like sick. even in like the early 2000s they still used belts and whips and ruler sticks in school there was still corporal punishment I think it was like yeah. maybe the late nineties, early two thousands, but my dad was yeah, a So really it's it, basically
0: amazing that we are functioning at this level yeah. as a society. <laughs> yes.
1: So I think it's twofold. I think one of it is like realizing like, okay, my parents really did their best like this. And then also accepting like, but it wasn't what I needed. It wasn't good enough for me. And that's okay. I can hold both of those. I can yeah. hold the sadness and the hurt and the anger that came from my childhood. And I can also hold space for like, that still was their best even though it wasn't good enough for what I needed, it was their best. And like, I'm at the space now, like I've, there's so much more information out there, but it's new. Like the earliest book I ever read on this was only like not even 15 years ago. Like it's not a
0: widely spread, widely
1: known way of being parenting, yeah. And yeah, so I,
0: I think about yeah. the people like in a 100 years looking back and be like, can you believe like that they parented that way? Like, because it yeah. is we're like at the tip of the iceberg in terms of like all this knowledge. And mm-hmm. I you were even like when we were talking about doing podcasts together, you were like, oh, you've heard of this. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm like, I'm super into it. But so I, many people have not not mainstream, I guess. No, you know, I think that's mm-hmm. like the fault that some coaches fall into, like me included. I just like think everybody knows about all this stuff, you know, and, but it's just happens to be like me too, because I'm I'm just like
1: in the, uh, that's in my world. My world is just like, everybody knows about this. And then I go out like literally on Facebook slash the real world. And I'm like, wait, nobody knows about this at all. Yeah. And so, and I don't say like those emotionally damaging things to like shame you into like, now you have to do it. Like, I don't want it to come from that energy, but just know, like there is a better way there is more knowledge. Yeah. There is more. There is a, a different way of doing it if you want to and if you feel called to do it. And that it's not, does not require perfectionism. I always mm-hmm. call it good enoughism. I'm like, no, our goal is not perfectionism. It's good enoughism so that we can still show our kids how to make mistakes gracefully and how we exactly. move on from them yeah. and how Aww. we build, how we still love ourselves through our mistakes. And so it's a beautiful way to live. It's more of a long-term, right? It's like what you teach. It's not like a quick diet. It's not going to happen overnight. It's more of a long-term approach. And also that it's not super long. Like, it's not like I'm never going to get there. Like I don't work with people for more than like 12 weeks. So you can get there.
0: Yeah, it (laughs) It is. It's a practice. It's totally, (laughs) it's exactly what I teach. But once you get to that other side, like where you've somewhat mastered it, right? Yes. It's still a practice where you've somewhat mastered it. It does. It really does get so easy, with yeah. the parenting and with the way that you feed yourself or the way that you eat. It's because it
1: flows naturally from who you are. Like, I don't have to think about how can I be compassionate to my kid in this moment or understanding, or how can I not yell right now? How can I tap into my intuition and come up with an answer to this parenting challenge? Like those things are just who I am now, which is, I have to tell you completely opposite of who so I awesome. was five years ago. Yeah. Like, Well, me totally too, opposite. with
0: the eating, with like, I'm a new person. And it's so Mm -hmm. much better over here. And I think you're speaking to what's so important, which is like, identity based change when you identify with somebody as or uh, when you identify with someone who I just I eat food for fuel, or I just Mm -hmm. I connect with my children as a way of like parenting. I'm not saying that properly. Mm -hmm. But you get my point, right? Mm -hmm. So okay, Crystal, leave us with one takeaway where, okay, we're in the moment. We want to yell. We notice we're triggered. We know that putting Mm -hmm. our head in the freezer or snapping the rubber band against our wrist is not going to work. In that moment, what is one of your best suggestions? Okay, it's super
1: simple and it will work every time. So when you're in your emotional brain, you're not in your logical brain. It's like a teeter-totter. So when I'm high in emotions, I'm low on logic. So is your child. So when they're in their, what I call the red zone, or if I'm in my red zone, There's no teaching or learning it literally the part of their brain that learns is shut off. Mm -hmm. So is mine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So don't even worry about that in that moment. (laughs) Like at all, I would just say my three-step process is pause, breathe, feel. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to pause myself from reacting at all. And like your kids will be fine. Like it's okay to take a pause, breathe. I breathe in through my nose, deeply exhale twice as long as that hold it for a moment, breathe in again and then feel as in tap into myself inside. Like, what do I feel? I always give my clients a feelings wheel. I made like a custom one with like loads of emotions on it. And so I have it like printed out and I'm like, okay, what am I feeling inside my body right now? And like, all I do is I'm just going to do that over and over and over again, because what you'll find is within a pretty short time, like your child's naturally learning that they shouldn't hit their sibling or that like, if they say something unkind, someone else is going to cry and they're not going to want to play with them again. Natural consequences, yeah. All of those are happening naturally. And so when I give myself a moment and I give them a moment, that will happen. And so just knowing like, it's not something huge and big that you have to do, but I think this pause, breathe, feel can simultaneously happen where you're kind of uncovering your triggers. Like, why am I triggered? And like, how can I get help with that and support with that? Like, that's its own thing. But in the moment, pause, breathe, feel like three steps every time just keep doing that, keep doing that, keep doing that. And in the moments when you don't do it, go back to that again, when you're like, okay, wait, I didn't do that. Now I'm feeling terrible about myself. Okay, wait, even in that moment, I'm still in my red zone. It can look like depression, withdraw, like whatever, shut down. So I'm still going to just pause and breathe and feel. Mm,
0: I love that. Well, and they talk about that too, right? Like if you do yell, like and you talked about it too. Like if you yeah. do yell, like there's so much power in the repair and going back and be like, Always. you know what? I'm really working on my parenting, Luna. I'm so sorry I yelled. I'm really working hard to be calm in the moment. And
1: what I say and- is like, it wasn't about you at all. Like oh, I was oh, actually just good. feeling yeah. anger. I was feeling anger. And sometimes when I feel anger, I yell. Do you ever feel yell when you feel anger? Mm-hmm. Like I know I'm an adult and like it's still something I'm learning. So like, it's okay. Sometimes we yell. That's so good. Right. There's not some deeper meaning, just like it didn't yeah. have to do with you. It was it just me. Yeah. Deep do you breath.
0: apologize in that moment? Do you say sorry? Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, I do. Not usually in the moment of like when I'm in the red zone. Oh, no, I know. when. You but come like back yeah. and you
0: repair or whatever. Yes. Yeah. Yes.
1: Always reconnecting. And sometimes reconnection isn't needed. Like sometimes they've totally moved on and I've totally moved on and it's like fine. Yeah. Um, but sometimes I do go back and I'm like, oh, when I was like grumpy earlier, usually they've totally forgotten about it. <laughs> Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that didn't have to do with you at all. I'm so sorry. Like, sometimes I yell when I'm mad. I'm working on it. I'm trying not to, but sometimes I do. Yeah. And for me, that's very like human because you're not going to go that. from being like a natural yeller to like not yelling the
0: next day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I've yeah. tried to tell myself is like, okay, the repair is as important as not yelling because mm-hmm. to your point before, then they're seeing, oh, my mom is working to evolve or working to better herself or Mm -hmm. grow or whatever. And she's not doing it perfect and she's making mistakes and she's falling on her ass and she's not perfect. And she loves herself in that moment. Like that I can't think of a better gift that we could give her. That's the the thing I
1: tell people like, I don't want you to be perfect because the best gift you can give to your kids is failure because what we're teaching them in that moment is what I call shame resiliency. And it's like, how do I move through my own shame? And how do I like love myself anyways and move through that? And you don't have to say these things to your kids. They know Mm. they feel it. It's just like the being, like the energy is like passed Mm. down to them. Like they will figure it out. And so I don't even have to sit there and be like, I was feeling shame. And I was thinking this about myself and this (laughs) is what, right? Like it's not I even, it's that. so much more simple just than that. It's energy. just like, yeah. yeah, like I was feeling anger. Sometimes I yell when I'm angry, I'm working on it, but sometimes I still do because I'm human. You might feel the same way sometimes.
0: Oh, It's so good. Okay, Crystal, tell us how we can find you, connect with you, Yeah, all the things.
1: Yes. The best places on my podcast. You can come here, Laura, on my podcast. Also, it's the Parenting Coach Podcast with Crystal. I'm on Instagram at the.parenting.coach. I go on and on, on and off bouts of Instagram. So I'm sometimes lots of there and sometimes not, but, and then you can get on my email list by going to coachcrystal.ca slash wheel W H E E L and downloading my custom feelings wheel, which I literally made because I was like, I don't just feel eight feelings. Like, I don't want an emoji wheel. Like I want it to be more comprehensive than that. So yeah. I made one. I read like Atlas of the Heart, Brené Brown's, and I like oh, yeah. went through and was like, these are all the emotions that like we really need to have in here. So, oh, anyways, go
0: get that. Oh, it gosh. will be helpful.
1: And do your pause, breathe, feel right now. Yes. Oh,
0: that's so good. Ah, oh, thank you so much for being on the podcast. To all the listeners, please go rate, review, subscribe. That helps other moms be free. So pretty pleased with the chair on top. Go do that. And I will see you all next week. Ciao, ciao. Hey, if you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, I would love it, love it, if you leave a rate, review, and a subscribe on whatever you're listening to this podcast in. Pretty, pretty pleased with a cherry on top. It would help me so much and it would help all the other mamas out there hear this message. Thank you in advance. I really appreciate it. And you have to come check out the Yummy Mummy Experience. It's my proven lose weight for the last time group coaching and course. Head to LaraConley.com and just click work with me. Other than that, you guys, I would love to give you a free gift. If you want your free listener only gift, go to lauraconley.com forward slash gift. And from there, you will get your free best ever weight loss hat. So cool. The last thing I want to tell you, you guys, is I do have a free Facebook group. It's called, you guessed it, the Yummy Mummy. Lose weight for the last time, end body drama, and get food freedom. You can just search that on Facebook, or again, you can head to the show notes, and you'll find the link there. All right, you guys, have the best day ever.